This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 358. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network of shows. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by a special guest who I'll give a more proper introduction to here in a moment, Cheryl Todd of Gun Freedom Radio. But I just wanted to make a quick mention, folks, in case you didn't know or you forgot, but not only do we have the Concealed Carry Podcast here, we've we've been saying a long time, the ConcealedCarry.com network of shows. Even in the beginning, when we launched the podcast, we knew there's going to be more podcasts. So if you don't already know, you should be listening to the Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast, especially if you are into the, you know, into the lady side of things there. <laughs> Cheryl, we should probably get you on as a guest on that show with our hosts, uh, Amy and Emily over there. And then also, we got the new Firearm Trainers podcast, which just launched a few months ago and is doing awesome. Obviously, that one's geared towards firearms instructors. But my favorite show, of course, being the Concealed Carry Podcast, and you're already here, and so we're thrilled to be, again, talking here today with Cheryl Todd. Uh, But real quick, today's episode made possible, brought to you by, we have a new dry fire kit available in the online store at concealedcarry.com. Would encourage you to go check it out. It'll pair really nicely with the new Shooter Ready Challenge uh, drill that we just launched this month, and this is a monthly dry fire drill challenge we hope you'll take part in. Uh, you can check that out, by the way, shooterreadychallenge.com. And so the dry fire kit is nicely set up for, just for that purpose at a very, very reasonable, affordable price. So if you want to check that out, go to concealedcarry.com forward slash dry fire kit, D-R-Y-F-I-R-E-K-I-T. Again, concealedcarry.com forward slash dry fire kit. And while it's on my mind, because I just realized the shirt I'm wearing, and we haven't talked about it in a while, but... Guys, we're going to be talking with Cheryl here about some really important Second Amendment uh, advocacy, Second Amendment rights. Uh, We're going to be talking about this 2A rally coming up here in a few weeks. And I'm wearing one of my favorite t-shirts of all time, which is one of our t-shirts, which is the Speak Softly and Carry a Big big Stick t-shirt. So uh, that might as well be another thing I'll mention for the show today. If you want to check one of those shirts out, see if you like what you see there, you can go to concealedcarry.com forward slash big stick. All right. So Cheryl, we are so pleased to have you on the show here today. Cheryl, uh, I'm going to give you opportunity to kind of introduce yourself, but where I first came across you was on your gun freedom radio show, which is an awesome show, by the way. So folks, you got to go check that out. And Cheryl will probably tell you some other things that she does, uh, both, well, you, frankly, you're, you're just quite the little entrepreneur, aren't you? That is so true. And thank you so much for having me on today. I, I apologize. I've got a little bit of a cold, so my voice is a little froggy. But um, I'm, I'm so excited that we've had a chance to finally connect. I've been trying to figure out how to get you on my show. You're trying to figure out how to get you on me on your show. So you beat me to it and I love it and I'm excited to be here. But yes, my husband and I, um, you know, really he is the one that lives mashing the gas pedal. That puts me in the position of usually mashing on the brake pedal, but uh, somehow the brakes have been completely burnt out and worn out. And so um, really we we're just, uh, we, we just look for opportunities. We see where there's a, a hole in the market somewhere, or, you know, the messaging or something like that. And uh, it's been a really fun and interesting. We've been married 34 years, I think. Wow. Maybe. Congrats. Um, Thank you. And we've been self-employed working together all of those years in a variety of different businesses. And currently we do co-host Gun Freedom Radio. Um, And he says he never gets a word in edgewise. I'll let your listeners go listen and see if that's true. (laughs) It's true. I'm going to admit it. It is true. But uh, with our businesses, it's almost the, the roles are reversed because I've become so heavily 
involved in advocacy and and connecting with people for the show and that sort of thing. And so with our two main businesses right now, one is azfirearms.com, mom and pops. It is the proverbial corner mom and pops shop on a historic uh, lane in Avondale, you know, tiny little place in Arizona. Um, but uh, it's it's a wonderful place. It's, we're very service-driven, service-oriented. Um, we've got gunsmithing ammo, every kind of gun you can imagine, including two, because why would you only want one <laughs> World War II howitzer cannon? I mean... What? Who knows? And that was one. That was one of those purchases that my husband was like, uh, "Oh, by the way, honey, I bought two canisters." No, I'm like, babe, before cell phones, you know, you could get away with that. Now that they're cell phones, uh, I'm not so sure. But uh, and then our second business is uh, potofgoldestate.com, and that is uh, the better things you would find in a. A person's home. So it is guns and ammo, coins, jewelry, antiques, collectibles, cars, boats, antiques, all that fun stuff. And there's always something new coming in the door. Not necessarily new, but new to us to sell uh, from our consigners. And uh, it's just a such a fun business. And we have a great big Saturday auction coming up on uh, October 26th. And so that would be definitely one to start checking out. Awesome. Now, so I, I hadn't really made that connection yet. I don't know why, but as you were describing your those two businesses, the auction business and the gun, you know, dealing business, um, that's always funny to me because it makes it sound like you know, like drug dealing, gun dealing, you know. <laughs> but uh, so, did you? I'm assuming you had the auction business before you had azfirearms.com, right? Well, you know, it's funny uh, because the way that they developed potofgoldestate.com was an estate sale company. We would go into people's homes and basically make a yard sale indoors. And AZ Firearms, I don't honestly remember when it came into play, but (laughs) I do believe we were in the estate sale business first because my husband, he had had a gun shop way before I'd ever even met him. Mm-hmm. And uh, just kind of gotten burnout on on the whole thing because at that time he had bought someone else's business and there were all kinds of, you know, hidden debts and that kind of thing that he, he was unaware of. So he just kind of, you know, gotten out of the whole thing. And then somehow through the estate sale business, you know, working with families that had, you know, sometimes a significant portion of people's uh, financial wherewithal happens to be in a gun collection. Yeah. And so he just kind of caught that fire again. And uh, the so before they were brick and mortars, it it's unclear in my memory where they both, you know, kind of came together. But then once they were a brick and mortar, uh, that's kind of a funny story in itself because he was, we had uh, closed a collectible and antique store. And I thought, you know, my degrees are in psychology. So I thought, okay, I can finish my degree program. I can, you know, mm-hmm. hang the shingle out and, and be, you know, a female Dr. Freud. I can get the, the pipe, <laughs> you know, the little Freud glasses and ask people to tell me about their mothers. Uh, but he started getting this whole idea about, well, we just need one more thing, one more brick and mortar thing. And so every business or every building that he was looking at just happened to be perfectly laid out for two things, a gun store (laughs) and an auction house. And so I say I got completely snookered into uh, both of these businesses. Um, But uh, it was really, I mean, it's good thing that he's on the gas pedal because he's very smart about the things that he does and the opportunities that he sees. And so uh, it's, it's been a, a very, um, these have been our two most successful businesses. And I think we're in the right place. Mm-hmm. Phoenix, Arizona, we can work 365 days out of the year. We don't get snowed in, you know, yeah. 
we have a fairly transient, you know, we have a lot of people come here and retire and then they downsize and downsize some more. And, you know, so it's really been the land of opportunity for us to be here in Arizona for both yeah. of these particular kinds of businesses. And our, our rights here have been just very passionately uh, fought for and protected. And I give the Arizona Citizens Defense League full credit for, mm. for that. Um, and so they've been able to maintain our rights in such a way that being in the, the being a gun dealer, as you say, right, yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, has this has been a good place for that. That makes a lot of sense. Like like I was saying, it you know, as you were describing the estate sales, the auction side of things, and then I'm like, well, you probably come into guns fairly frequently in that, and so it just makes sense for you to sell guns. So anyway, that's that's really awesome. Um, Cheryl, you, uh, I know you're tied in uh, very, very much so uh, in the 2A community. I've been seeing you pop up all, all over the place in a number of things. Uh, give us a quick rundown of, of kind of some of the initiatives or, or organizations that uh, you've been doing some work with. Absolutely. Well, I am uh, on the board of a few different organizations. Um, I mentioned the Arizona Citizens Defense League, the AZCDL. I'm the vice president of their foundation, which is the, the education and information arm. And our push for the year, I mean, 2019 is starting to wane already, but, uh, you know, probably more into the 2020 is to bring Faster Saves Lives to Arizona schools. And mm. Faster Saves Lives is a, um, a school safety initiative that teaches situational awareness it teaches the TCCC emergency medical care, and it teaches also armed and an unarmed immediate response to violent uh, incidents that may happen on campus. And so that's something I'm passionate about. Mm. I'm on the board of the Second Amendment Institute, which is their goal is to help colleges to stop being gun-free zones, which are really you know, target rich zones for bad guys. Um, <clears throat> there's this imaginary line, like so let's say here in Arizona, where every place else, when you're out and about, we have constitutional carry, you can conceal or open carry, you can protect your life in the way that you so choose. But once you cross that imaginary boundary onto a college campus, suddenly you know, for myself, I'm no longer trained. I'm no longer responsible. I'm no longer moral. I'm no longer trusted mm -hmm. to take my own self-defense uh, as my own responsibility. That is absolutely ridiculous. And uh, Second Amendment Institute is doing what they can to help right that wrong and help save lives on college campuses. I am the Arizona delegate for the DC project which is something that we're, yeah. it's a new organization. We're maybe three or four years old. And uh, what that is, is 50 women, one from each state. And we go to DC once a year. Uh, we sit down with our legislators. We break into teams. And so I will bring people from different states into the Arizona representatives offices. And then I have the opportunity to go sit in on their meetings. And we just, basically try to be a resource for them, try to show them what the American gun owner looks like that doesn't fit the stereotype of the 50 and older bearded camoed dude, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, they're great people, but that isn't me. And so if I can help uh, representatives across the country better understand why someone who kind of looks like the Betty Crocker of the gun world would uh, <laughs> not only value my constitutional rights and my second amendment rights, but why I would enact them every single day as a concealed carry holder. Um, so uh, those are a few. I'm, I'm also on the board of the Arizona uh, Rifle and Pistol Association. That is the state arm of the NRA. And they are very involved in youth uh, shooting sports and training, that sort of thing. So uh, I, I'm just kind of, you know, when I see a worthy cause, 
I, if I feel like I can add to it, I try to fit it into my, my schedule and my calendar the best way I can. I'm also mm-hmm. on, you know, those ordinary, those uh, every man type organizations. I'm on the board of directors of our local um, chamber of commerce. Mm. And that is very powerful to help people see, you know, when I first joined that organization, I think everybody saw a gun on legs because they knew that my business was a gun store. Yeah. But over time, they've gotten to know me. They realize that I'm, you know, a calm person, a logical person. You know, I'm, I'm very family oriented, all the things that they are. But oh, by the way, I do choose, just like I put my seatbelt on every time I get in my car, I do choose to take my tool of self-defense with me everywhere that I legally can. Mm. Yeah, that that is awesome. You are uh, obviously very busy. <laughs> so so now I'm feeling even more honored that uh, you would take time out of your schedule to come on our show. <laughs> my honor, honestly. Uh, uh, I, I'm very passionate about the uh, DC project and the, and the ladies there. Uh, uh, Diana Moeller is a friend of mine. I've, I've shot, you know, three guy matches with her through the years. And, and uh, I, I think that organization and the work that you ladies are doing there is just tremendous. And I, I, I love the idea. And I was talking with Diana about this, uh, gosh, maybe two months ago, uh, we were shooting up in Wyoming together. And, you know, she said, I just, I wanted to go to DC and have all these ladies dressed nicely like like they do because us guys i mean tris is here watching on facebook and he says i'm here i am just sitting being bearded and wearing camo because <laughs> <laughs> it's so true i mean that's like the classic uh, you know demographic uh, that people think of uh when they think about guns and, and diana's telling me about how you know taking these this troop of ladies to DC wearing polka dots. You're, you're famous for, for your polka dot uh, dresses and, and, and all that. And uh, I think that's gotta be somewhat disarming. I think, I mean, do you agree? What sort of responses or reactions have you uh, encountered as you've uh, met with legislators in your capacity there? Absolutely. It is disarming. And when we can see that we have caused a bit of cognitive dissonance. You know, you can see it in a person's eyes when you're talking to them. When they've had that small shift, that little aha moment, that little light bulb, that is the win for us. Because we're, we don't go in there with, you know, like demands. We're not lobbyists. We're, we're not the angry voices. We're very passionate, to be certain. Mm-hmm. But... Um, we are really, we see ourselves as educators and yeah. we want to be bridge builders. Uh, and so when we go into, um, now Arizona has shifted a little more purple the last couple yeah. of years, but when I first started with the DC project, we were very red. And so when I would go into my representative's offices, I almost felt like I was wasting their time because I'm like, all right, I'm speaking to the choir a little bit here, preaching to the choir a little bit, but it was good for the lady from New York or the lady from Illinois or whoever was in my group to be able to see, you know, well, how do we interact with our representatives when they're already quote unquote on our side, right? And so in those conversations, I would be more like, what can we do to help you, my representative, do your job better? Yeah. And they always had some helpful uh, information. There was maybe something that they were like, this particular thing needs to be spoken about more. If you can do that, like on your radio show or in your conversations or whatever. But then we would go into one of my most interesting moments was in the New York office. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't get to see the actual representative and that's okay. When we see their staffers, we don't feel that we're being kind of shoved off to the side or anything like that, because sometimes those staffers, uh, they actually have maybe a little bit more, you know, ability to help the representative understand. The representative is there, they're listening, but they've got a thousand things going on in their mind. You know, they are jacks of many trades, masters of a few. So usually if we meet with a staffer, Maybe it's the staffer that works on that lane, on the Second Amendment lane. And so it's a, sometimes a richer conversation. But so we went into the New York office, 
and the staffer, <clears throat> he, you know, he listened to the New York delegate. And uh, then he was very polite to go around the room and ask each of the other ladies about themselves and what they were there. So when he was addressing me, you know, again, I had to be very respectful because he had, he did not have to give me his time. And I realized that. And so while he was talking, he had said, yeah, I know Arizona, you guys have that constitutional carry stuff, but you know, here in New York, it is not palatable for our law enforcement, for the public to just walk around with firearms. And so the passionate patriot inside of me is desperately mashing on my tongue so that I can keep my smile in place, right? Because I'm <laughs> sitting there thinking, I just read the Constitution before I brought, came on this trip again. And not once did I see the word palatable, right? But uh, <clears throat> yeah. took a breath. And I said, you know, I do understand there's definitely a culture difference between New York and Arizona. Yeah. However, I would invite you to look at Arizona as a real life, real time experiment in how it goes when the citizenry has constitutional carry. The police are not confused when they go into a robbery situation. They're not shooting the wrong person. It's not the okay corral. It, it, our crime rates are actually coming down. Uh, and this was a couple of years ago. But even now with all the unrest at the borders, our, our crime rates are still coming down. And I think it really does lend itself to that old adage that an armed society is a polite society because the bad guys they want that advantage of being the only person in the room that that has that kind of tool in their hand. Um, so as I said this to the representative, it was one of those moments where he just had a harder time because I wasn't like regurgitating a talking point. And they're so used to that. They're so ready for the talking points. So when we can craft, you know, something from real life, from our own experience, it's just harder for them to instantly deflect it. And so there was that tiny moment where he just had a little bit harder time, you know, excusing it all away, uh, the way that they do things in New York and um, kind of casting off what goes on here in Arizona. Now, that does not mean that he is instantly going to run back and, you know, start encouraging his uh, his bosses to uh, start voting in uh, pro-Second Amendment, pro-Constitution bills and that sort of thing. But it is that, you know, one foot in front of the other, that journey of a thousand miles um, kind of approach. And then a really fun thing happened that once it was sort of like, okay, the official meeting is over and now we're just going to sit and chat. Turns out this guy who was sitting there spewing all of this guns are bad, anti-gun stuff, he is a huge fan of one of the competitive shooters that you probably do know, Becky Yackley. Oh, I know. Yes, I do know Becky. He was fangirling yeah. <laughs> all over the place, or fanboying, I guess, all over the place about <laughs> Becky Yackley. And we thought, you know what? You are one of us. You really are. You just need to, you know, do and say, put in alignment yeah. the things that you truly believe mm -hmm. and the things that you do every day at work. And uh, anyway, that was one of my, my most memorable uh, conversations. And um, I mean, there, there are so many. We had a Republican, one of these people that wears the big R on their chest, mm. but everything that he spouted, everything he said out of his own mouth, and it was the actual representative, um, <clears throat> it went against completely uh, the Constitution. And really, the Second Amendment is not a partisan issue. It has become that, but the Constitution is for everyone. So it shouldn't surprise us when somebody with the big R on their chest, you know, says things that are, you know, uh, traditionally what we would, we yeah. would align with the Democratic Party. But um, their, their constituent, uh, who's a member of my group, mentioned, uh, you know, national reciprocity. And before she could finish the word reciprocity, he like lunged forward and he said, that is not going to happen. Wow. And we just all like sat there with our eyes open thinking, 
Okay. Well, <laughs> thank you for representing us, not, you know. <laughs> and uh, hmm. he went on to say that, you know, you ladies just need to learn how to compromise. Hmm. And that was one of those moments when, um, again, very politely, I spoke up and I said, well, I know that last week you had the moms who demand whatever action group in here, and they are absolutely not about compromise, period. They want their way, and that's the end of it. Did you say those same words to them? And uh, he didn't really have much to say about that, and the meeting wrapped up fairly quickly. But um, So it's eye-opening for them, and it's eye-opening for us. Um, and it's not political at all. It's a nonpartisan group. We have liberals, we have independents, we have conservatives. Um, but it's, uh, it's such a worthy uh, program, organization that Diana has put together. I just count myself as blessed that I was allowed to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing some of those kind of more uh, personal takes of you know, stories that, that you've been there and witnessed, because it's interesting hearing some of those different perspectives. We certainly do have a, a cultural divide in this country, which is understandable. I mean, the, first of all, the United States of America is a big country, and there's a lot going on in a lot of different places. And there's, there's, a, there's a divide bet- between cities and rural areas. There's a divide between, you know, places like New York and, and Oklahoma, for sure. Um, it, but he, here's kind of been my thing, and, and I, I think you're kind of touching on this very, very nicely. Uh, the Second Amendment is is for everybody. And I, I'd really like to, and I think you probably agree with me on this, I'd like to see less partisanship in the area of the Second Amendment where we're, we're having those conversations and we're having these these debates even because – it really shouldn't be a partisan issue. I, I see the Second Amendment as, if we're talking about parties, I see the Second Amendment as being like the grand, the true grand, you know, big tent party because it should be able to be that one thing that can unite people from all kinds of different areas and backgrounds and interests. Uh, I mean, there because it shouldn't be right versus left necessarily or Republican versus Democrat, because what we know is there are some demographics in particular that are rapidly growing right now. Uh, my various minority groups, uh, LGBT folks, uh, women, of course, you know, and there's even like, you know, the, the liberal gun owners, uh, you know, club or organization, um, these, to me, it's just fascinating to see what's going on there. And, and I, I'm curious what you think as far as how to, because what I, what, I, what I would like to be able to see or do or work on is bringing together a coalition of all these different people mm-hmm. because we all have, that's the amazing thing. We all have the same Second Amendment right and we all have the right to defend ourselves. We all have the right to defend our country. We have the right to defend each other. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't come down to this is a right versus a left issue. It it should be who's on the side of the Second Amendment and who's not. And and then we can because I feel like we'd be a lot more unified mm-hmm. if if we approached it from that angle as opposed to from a R versus D angle. What do you, what do you think about some of that? Well, absolutely. And you know, it's just a generation ago, really. My when my dad was my age it would have been political suicide. It would have been a political career ender to say anything even remotely close to what uh, this Beto O'Rourke guy Mm. and all the Democratic uh, presidential candidates are now basing their platforms on. You know, they're so proud to say, we're going to have mandatory buybacks, which you know, we can break those words apart and really kind of go, boy, that whole thing is not only unconstitutional, but a head scratcher. And they're going to buy something that I don't want to sell with my tax dollars, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the whole thing is just craziness. But um, how did that shift so far? 
that if you want to look at it as a political element, the Second Amendment, how did people go from understanding how vital it was to our own personal lives, homes, and existence to have free access to purchase whatever tool of self-defense that we felt was necessary for where we lived. You know, when you're out in the country, you might need a different tool of defense because you might have four-legged and two-legged predators. Here in Arizona, we have no-legged predators, the snakes, you know. (laughs) Um, And so, uh, and then, you know, if you're an apartment dweller, then you need a different kind of a tool, perhaps, you know, that sort of thing. So we used to understand that to such a degree that the politicians were very, very hesitant to even move in that direction and make public statements about it. And now we have people that are proud. They're printing T-shirts about it. You know, they're going to take away something that we own. They're going to reach into our personal lives, into our homes, and they are going to take that from us, whether we like it or not. And whether or not they throw a few dollars at us from our own tax dollars um, should be neither here nor there. So, yes, I agree with you that we should go back to all, all having read this document. This thing right here, that is our Constitution and our Bill of Rights. Look how thin that is. Look at that. Mm -hmm. How many people have spent the hour to an hour and a half to read this for themselves? That right there is a good starting point. Once we understand what our founding fathers wrote down, then we might get curious and we might go, well, I wonder why they wrote that down. I wonder why they worded it that way. I wonder why the only, the only amendment that they ever added the clause shall not be infringed, which is kind of like constitution for dummies, gun control or gun uh, rights for dummies. The only place they added that clause was at at the end of the Second Amendment. Why might they have done that? Oh, because they lived through tyranny. They had to fight actual tyranny. And now we're inviting it with our votes. So, you know, I think that it doesn't have to be political. We've allowed it to be political. I do think that there are organizations like the DC Project and many others that that really we're welcoming to everyone. You know, if you are on the side of the Constitution, if you are on the side of the Second Amendment, if you understand that the Bill of Rights is the firewall that keeps the government out of our personal lives, I don't care what letter you wear on your chest, right? It's not about that. So there are organizations that are, are trying to reunite people under our constitutional principles. Yep. But I think the bigger megaphones out there are the ones that want to say, if you are a gun hater, or if you hate that people have the ability and the rights to have these tools of destruction, right? They, their phraseology is very telling. Then come join us. We're called Democrats. We're called you know, the, the liberal side of things. So then I feel actually bad for my friends who are, let's say, Lara Smith. She is the national spokesperson for the Liberal Gun Club, right? How is she supposed, like, she's like a woman without a country. What is she supposed to do, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I mm. think that people in that space maybe can be more, um, effective at speaking to their representatives to say, look, you've left me out, right? I want to support you for all these social programs. I want to support you for, you know, all these other reasons. Uh, But you've left me out of the conversation because if I vote for you, you're going to reach into my home and you're going to take something from me. That stands between me and the predators, however many legs they have. Mm -hmm. Mm. Good thoughts, Cheryl. I think this is a perfect place to segue into this upcoming Second Amendment rally on November 2nd in Washington, D.C. at the U.S. Capitol. I know that uh, you're, you're going to be there, right? 
I am, and I am actually so honored to be a speaker. Uh, they're slowly announcing the speakers' names, and I don't think I've been officially announced yet, but uh, I'm, I've been told that it's okay for me to say <laughs> that, that, yes, I will be speaking on behalf of um, all the, the Betty Crocker polka dot wearing ordinary warrior women and men out there that, uh, you know, we don't lead with the gun, but we definitely are um, passionate patriots. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a, a wonderful group of speakers from a huge variety of, of lanes, right? We're all in the Second Amendment lane, but we mm -hmm. have a lane within the lane. Yeah. Um, and I think you'll find a voice that uh, speaks for you, speaks to you, and um, <clears throat> that you can identify with among the, the list of speakers. Pardon me. And that is uh, Saturday, November 2nd. We're going to be on the West Lawn. I believe it's the West Lawn of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. And it'll be from 1 to 4 p.m. And I encourage everybody to check it out and, and go and let your name be known that you are going to participate by going to 2arally.com, I believe. Did I say that right? Uh, I think it is Second Amendment Rally, doc, with the second being to the letter or the number two, 2 nd Amendment Rally.com. Let me confirm. Because uh, I, I had that same question at one point, and I, and I think I, yeah, I'm, I'm actually typing mm -hmm. both in right now. 2 arally.com, which second takes us to a Pennsylvania right to keep and bear arms rally. Well, how about that? Somebody in Pennsylvania snagged that domain, which is why Second Amendment Rally 2 nd AmendmentRally.com is the place to go to get information on the rally on November 2nd. And I mean, so I want to be there like so bad. You have no idea how bad I want to be there. But this just came up, you know, in the last couple of weeks and probably three or four months ago, my wife locked down a date with me for, we have a family event that day. So I understand. I went back and I said, Hey, this is really awesome. And I should be there. And she's like, no. <laughs> and uh, I was also uh, honored to be, uh, uh, I was, uh, I was given an invite as a speaker and uh, I had to turn that down, which I was also very sad about. But concealedcarry.com is going to have our social media uh, manager and our edit, our managing editor. Uh, both will be there uh, representing our interests from concealedcarry.com. And so we're really excited. And you'll, you'll, you should connect uh, up with uh, Mitch from our social media team. I'd love here. to. And, and also Josh Gillum is our he, he oversees all the editorial content on our website. A uh, couple of good dudes and, and both very, very, very passionate about Second Amendment. Uh, so I'm really excited mm -hmm. that uh, we're able to send them there. And But uh, so, Cheryl, uh, you're going to be speaking there, which is awesome. And I commend you for that. Uh, do you have any sense for like the message that you hope to bring? Well, I I generally speak from the place of how ordinary I am mm. because I think that that uh, hits a, a place of, of trueness with so many people because people are like, well, I'm just one person, right? Well, Diana Muller, she was one person and she didn't stop there. She said, I'm one person, but what can I do to empower several other one persons? So generally I do speak from that kind of, uh, place so that people can feel like, yes, that uh, that's me too. <clears throat> and so I'm also a business owner, as we have discussed here on uh, earlier in this program. Uh, my degrees are in psychology. So I think I'm going to be talking about the message that one of my favorite authors, uh, who is a psychologist who writes business books, um, Dr. Henry Cloud uses, and he says, you get in life, in business, in our constitutional republic that we live in, you get what you create or what you allow. Mm. And that's been kind of resonating and, and kind of moving through my brain the last few days as I've been thinking about what would I want to say if I'm standing 
on the Capitol lawn. And I think that the people that spend their time, spend their days in that building, if they could hear what I want to say to them, it's that, uh, you know, we, we've, we've created, our founding fathers have created something amazing. And perhaps we've allowed it to become a bit threadbare and tattered. Uh, but the people that are go going to be on that lawn with me that day, they're saying no more, enough yeah. is enough. And, uh, you know, I, I, it could morph, it could change, you never know. <laughs> Uh, you know, variety is the spice of life and I like to have my options, but, uh, I'm, I'm thinking that's where I'm going to be coming from. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm excited to see how this all develops, you know, it's coming together and there's definitely some questions that have come up, uh, including people that have asked me personally, they're like, Riley, like who's behind this? And I'm like, no one really, <laughs> there's not like a, there's not one particular organization that's in charge or that's running it or that created this. Uh, there's a, there's some kind of key individuals that are definitely plugged in, but the, I think the, the whole idea here is for this to be a grassroots effort, a true grassroots effort. And that's really what this is turning out to be. So when people are asking about some of the behind the scenes stuff. It's like, there's really not a whole lot of behind the scenes because <laughs> I mean, we've, we've got a lot of different folks plugged in all over the place. Uh, and, and, and I'm, so I'm privy to some of those conversations and it's not really, it, you know, I don't know how to say, it. I mean, we say grassroots, it's, it's truly grassroots. My hope Cheryl for this two a rally on November 2nd is that it is one of the first like, true, um, successful uh, events to bring together gun owners and gun rights activists from like all demographics and all groups across the country. Uh, and, and that's kind of, I mean, like if you look at who's going to be there so far, that that's, that's what this is looking like. That's what it's coming together as. And I'm really excited to see that. What are your, some of your thoughts on that? So I echo that as well. And that was really, um, I mean, I'm in Arizona. So for me to go to DC, that is a full day of travel there, a full day of travel home, and then whatever time is spent doing what I'm there to do. So it's a considerable thing for me to think about taking time out of my businesses and out of my family. I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a grandma, I have a lot of responsibilities to go and participate in something. So <clears throat> as I was you know, hearing about this and learning about this, the thing that attracted me to the point that yes, I am going to carve that time out and I am going to go is the idea that it is not group specific, right? It's not partisan. It is not, you know, one particular, you know, segment where it's that, oh, the, all the competitive shooters are going to get credit or whatever. Oh, it's all the hunters are going to, no, it's everybody Truly, it's going to be that cross-section of the American gun owner coming together. That, to me, was a no-brainer. I was, like, knocking down walls to get there. Um, and yeah. so, to me, that is, I mean, I can't imagine it being anything other than that once it all comes together. And anything that you do really has more to do with what you make of it right? And how you bring your sphere of influence into it. And so it's going to be a success, period, end of story. Yep. Um, and the news, of course, the mainstream media will either completely ignore it, or they will try to make it out to be some weird fringe of America, you know. Um, <clears throat> but it's, we will tell the truth of it. You know, you have your social media guys there. I will have my team with me to do our social media and we will be the truth tellers about what the event is for, what it's about, and what uh, the conversations that come out of it afterwards, the motivations that come out of it afterwards. And, uh, and even that might be a little specific. You know, my people that really get gravitate towards my polka dots or my camo, you know, my, my whole uh, very feminine uh, look and, and approach to uh, how I engage with the advocacy. They 
are never going to be the ones that are the, you know, pry it from my cold dead hands. I mean, I might have a few of those, but you know, they're going to take from this the things that that resonate inside of them. And then the really hardcore, passionate, cold, dead hands people, they're going to take from it what resonates with them. And that's what America's about, right? Did every single one of our founding fathers and every one of our, our freedom fighters that were out there shedding their, their blood, sweat, and tears back in the revolution, did they all have the exact same idea about how to go about it? And what to do with it once they had it? No, but that's America. That's what we're about. And as long as we stay shoulder to shoulder and protect that line, that firewall, that bill of rights keeps the government on one side and the people on the other, as far as what they're allowed to get their, the government's fingerprints on in our personal lives, that's, that's success. And I believe that we will have great success from this. Oh, I I know it will. And like I said, to see, the kind of groups that are coming together for this one event. I mean, that's what I'm so excited about because going back to what we were talking about 20 minutes ago, that, that, that was, that's my wish. And I, I think we're seeing that that come true and I'm so excited folks. Again, if you want to learn more about the second amendment rally on November 2nd, go to second amendment rally.com to ND amendment rally.com. You can also find them on Instagram at two a rally on Facebook, uh, it's a little bit different. 2A Rights Rally is like the tag. Uh, or if you search on Facebook, Second Amendment Rally or Rally for your 2A Rights is actually the Facebook page. There's a couple options to find it on Facebook. I would encourage you to go find those accounts, those pages, and like them, follow them, and share them. There's also an events page for the event on November 2nd. And so I'd encourage you to share that because, I mean, certainly we're encouraging everybody that can be there to be there, but recognize that it is a big commitment for, you know, like you shared about getting there from Arizona. It'd be very similar from, for me here from Denver. Uh, I was really hoping I was like, well, maybe I can find a flight out, you know, Saturday morning, go to the thing and find one that I can get back in time <laughs> for uh, this family event we have that it's actually technically that evening. And no matter how hard I tried, I, there just was like, I did have one option. I could be there for like the start of the rally for about 45 minutes. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. I was like, that's tempting, but uh, yeah, you know, so anyway, um, if you can't be there, well, then you can help out the effort by spreading the word. Uh, sharing the event, uh, uh, you know, talking to your friends, your family, your coworkers, uh, your fellow, you know, shooters, uh, folks you shoot matches with, whatever, uh, down at the local range, your local gun shop. I mean, so, some people are not as well plugged into what's going on uh, with stuff like this as as maybe the rest of us are. Uh, they may not be following social media because you know a lot of the with this being especially such a a grassroots effort. A lot of the promotions happening out over social media. And so, uh, you know, talk to your friends, your family about it, your, your local gun dealer, whatever, and let them know about this. So that they may want to know, they want, they may want to know, they may want to try to get there. They may want to just continue spreading and sharing the word. So mm-hmm. I, that's, that's what I would say about that. Cheryl, um, I would like to ask you real quick before we wrap this up, though, your, your trademark is the polka dots and polka dot dresses and all this, you know, right? I think you even have a, did I see an AR-15 that's like <laughs> in polka dots too? Yes. Yes. My husband uh, made that up for me. I surprised me with it one day and I was like, I approve. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> So, uh, I'm curious though, uh, I know you're big, you know, obviously, obviously you're a second amendment advocate, concealed carry advocate, you carry a gun, you said every chance you can, everywhere you can. Uh, how does one, I mean, maybe you could offer a little bit of a tip for the ladies. How does one conceal carry a handgun dressed like you typically dress? Absolutely. And that is something that is unique to, you know, men pretty much have, you know, they wear pants or shorts <laughs> or some kind of a shirt, usually a belt, right? And so, and women, we wear all different kinds of styles. And so there's a huge variety of different holster options, carrying options out there. 
For years, I carried off body. I carried in my purse. And that was effective for me for a while. But then when my granddaughter, who is five now, when she started being, you know, mobile and curious and climbing mm. and whatever, I realized that was no longer a safe thing for me to do. And I had to uh, figure out, so where on my body can I carry it and still feel like I have, you know, fairly quick access to it? So wearing dresses a lot, I generally have a thigh a thigh holster. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite is a pair of basically their bike shorts, and then they have an in, inner thigh uh, holster spot. And it is completely uh, secure. I never feel like if I get down and play on the, the floor with my granddaughter or whatever, I never feel like she has access to it, like it's going to fall out, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so that is my, my favorite. There's another, it's a garter style, but again, it's on the thigh. Um, some women use the, the flashbang, I think they're called, and they, they connect to the brassiere. Um, that's not practical for me because, you know, I rarely wear like a shirt and pants or a shirt and skirt. Um, but there are, you know, side, side holster options for people that do wear um, shirts and skirts, shirts and um, pants. So really, I would go to the experts. Uh, a good friend of mine is Carrie Lightfoot. She owns the Well-Armed Woman right here in Scottsdale, yep. Arizona. And she is always doing tutorials online. She has a huge uh, a line of holsters. Um, Alexo Athletica has a lot of the, the exercise wear, the active wear options like the bike shorts or the, the yoga pants. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So I go to the experts and I see you know, what they are saying about it. And I've tried several. There are some that are just like, mm, I don't know, they just don't work for me. But I tried them. And uh, I, I encourage you to do the same. Just like when you go buy a gun, we encourage people to go and go to the range that you can rent every kind of gun you possibly can. The one that feels right in your hand is the one for you. And then make your purchase. Mm-hmm. Ah. Excellent advice. And, and I'm glad that you uh, mentioned Alexo Athletica, who is, that's the company run by Amy Robbins, who is the host of our Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast. Yeah. So awesome. <laughs> nice, nice little tie in there. Um, cool. Uh, one last question about that specifically. So one question that comes up to me as an instructor fairly frequently from students is, well, the range I frequent or that I'm a member of does not allow drawing from the holster. And I was thinking about this. I don't know if I'd ever really thought about it in quite this way, but you mentioned these various thigh holsters and, and various uh, options that you have available or that you employ to carry with a dress or a skirt or whatever. And I was thinking, how do you practice drawing from a thigh holster? I'm sure you practice at home, but, uh, you know, as far as practicing and making sure that one is proficient with their means of carry, what sort of uh, words of advice would you have for for women out there uh, carrying in some of those maybe non-traditional locations? Absolutely. Well, practice is key, obviously. Watching tutorials online because somebody might have just that little tip or trick that makes a difference for where you are physically, right? So if I'm in the car, it's super easy to get to my thigh holster, yeah. right? But if I'm in the grocery store and I have a long skirt on, it's kind of like, okay, bad guy, hey, hang on. I got like three more layers to gather up here and I'm almost there, right? So, <laughs> uh, you know, so uh, tips and tricks are uh, important. Tutorials online are important. People you trust, you know, there's some out there that are just, you know, they're giving not the best information. So, um, you know, try to, try to, engage your uh, critical thinking uh, as you are watching these tutorials and then dry fire, you know, just dry fire at home. Uh, Just that repetition, just gain that muscle memory. Um, That's that. And I am not a trainer. I'm not an instructor. Um, But, and so you as an instructor uh, might have something else that you would suggest, Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think that anybody has the absolute end all be all this is the only right way to do something and everyone else is wrong. I, I kind of resist that way of thinking. Sure. That's why I try to pepper my, <clears throat> my conversation with, you know, you need to do what's right for you. You need to find the instructor, the tutorial that's right for you. Yeah. 
I, I think the, the advice you offer is, was sound advice. I mean, I, I think the way I approach it as an instructor is that there are ideal ways, if possible, to carry a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, but we also have to recognize that that's the ideal scenario or the ideal way to maybe be dressed and thus the ideal way to carry something on your waist, on your belt, where mm-hmm. it's a little more secure or maybe a little bit more readily accessible. But you're wearing a dress or a skirt, you know, which I never have to encounter, uh, you know, personally as, as, a, as a concealed carrier. So there's got to be different options and different solutions for some of those. Uh, again, I refer to them as non-traditional methods, uh, but uh, yeah, that, there's, and we live in this day and age too. There's so many options out there and, and innovators too. Like we see almost every week a new, you know, somebody new somewhere pop up with an idea. Well, hey, I thought of this different way of approaching concealed carry with, uh, you know, whatever clothing, you know, option or type that you're wearing. We, we had our booth at the USCCA Expo where we had our broadcast booth and right next to it was a, I wish I remember her name. I'm sure I have her card somewhere. There was a woman with a business and again, I don't remember the name of the business either, but she had uh, some clothing for women that I had not, I hadn't seen anything quite like it before, just with all, like almost like pockets and things, ways to like access through the clothing, uh, her gun and stuff. And I was like, wow, like that's just, I mean, I know there's some other things out there, but I hadn't seen anything quite like hers. And I enjoyed chatting with her for a few minutes and, and kind of familiarizing myself with her product line. I, I, that reminds me now I'll have to go dig up her card. And cause I, I, I did want to research that a little bit more cause I found it all rather fascinating. But that's my point is that there's, there's just with the technology like what we have and everything going on in this world, this crazy world of ours, it also means there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of really cool products out there. Well, when you said uh, the pockets and the access, it could be uh, my friend owns Incognito Wear, IX. Uh, I think that is the one. We have done yeah. a fashion show the last few years at the Gun Rights Policy Conference and uh I haven't been a part of the one at the NRA conference, but Amanda Sepakul puts the fashion shows on. Yeah. And I, I have worn the incognito wear, and it's a very drapey blouse mm-hmm. with a tank top underneath. And so mm-hmm. you can reach yeah. into the draping of the blouse, and there's a slit in the tank top. And so if you were waist holding, right, then you could just draw right from there. And uh, I love, I have a black one of her shirts and I love it. Um, I just don't wear shirts and skirts that often, but mm-hmm. when I do, it is so comfortable. And so, um, and then I can wear it with polka dot capris. So I still got the polka dot <laughs> so, Of course. But, but I would definitely look her stuff. She has purses as well. And that's, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the one that I that I was thinking of. So I'm glad I'm glad you know in incognito wear. So like yeah. I know that uh, uh, Casey, uh, one of our fans here, uh, listening or viewing on Facebook, was she had some comments about uh, maybe some. Well, she says I need a thigh holster, but you know it's always nice to I think learn about some of those other options out there, especially for for the lady folk. You know, as as you again have some different challenges to carrying a gun concealed. So, well, this, I I just got to say, I I have come become aware that I am probably never going to beat somebody in a fast draw contest. Mm -hmm. So if that's what it's going to take to save my life, I I'm at peace knowing that that is not reality for me with the way that I carry, Mm. but it still gives me a fighting option and if I have the liberty of time, uh, that I will be able to um, yeah. use my training uh, in that way. And so that's the reality, too. You have to understand that there are limitations to everything. Just because we own a gun and carry a gun doesn't mean that we uh, may not always be <laughs> you know, successful, but we can train for success. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and don't... Uh, don't minimize the effectiveness that uh, a concealed draw can bring to a fight as well. I mean, that, that's really what it comes down to. There, there's two ways we can win a gunfight. One is we have the right opportunity where, and we have the skill where we can get that gun out quickly and efficiently and just 
by pure speed and sort of like overwhelming firepower, we can we can end a fight. The other option is to sort of conceal, you know, and, and this is a classic attempt or a technique that the criminals use uh, to where, you know, if they carry their guns in ways where they can kind of sneakily get them out sometimes when they need to. Uh, and, and that same kind of technique can apply to concealed carriers as well. Uh, yeah. and we see that kind of thing play out on, on surveillance video all the time where you might be dealing with a situation and if you just get that right opportunity where the criminal looks away for, for a moment, you can slide your hand a little bit closer to wherever your gun is, maybe slide it under your shirt or whatever. So that, that concealed draw may not be the fastest, but if you can conceal your intent, then you can, you know, bring that element of surprise uh, uh, into the, into the picture as well. So anyway, this has been wonderful chatting with you, Cheryl. Uh, We covered kind of a lot of different things and different subjects that I appreciate you allowing me to sort of bounce around here. Uh, Last words, uh, anything, you know, kind of remaining you want to get out there, maybe one last call to some of your, uh, your businesses, websites, social media, anything like that, or, or just whatever floats your boat? Well, I appreciate that so much. And uh, I think I was saying off air that I don't give enough attention to my two brick and mortar stores that fuel all of my advocacy, right? And so <laughs> definitely please check out, uh, and it's the same on social media as our URL, but it's azfirearms.com across the board for the uh, the guns, the ammo, and the gunsmithing. And it's uh, potofgoldestate.com for all of the auction uh, business on all the different social media platforms and gunfreedomradio.com. And Gun Freedom Radio has become quite a good resource uh, for people in the industry, the gun industry, in the advocacy community, because uh, if you go there and you click on the guest tab, you'll find a guest page for every single person I've ever had on the show. Mm. And it has a bio on them, links to work they've been doing, books they've written, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, So it's really a a tremendous resource. And then, of course, all of our past shows are on the on-demand tab. And so I like to say, click on the on-demand and binge listen to your heart's content (laughs) all of the uh, content that we have there. And then, of course, back to the 2A rally. Please make an effort, if you possibly can, to be there. You know, it's, it is the capital. You cannot open or conceal carry there. That right. is just the rules that they have made for, for that particular uh, place on the map. And uh, we, as responsibly armed citizens, are in the position that we honor that. That is what we do. There are some people that say, well, I won't go where I'm disarmed. I respect that 100%. Uh, but please do what you can to still help spread the message because the the event itself and the message of the event itself is to actively try to work against that, right? We have to do it with the words first, yep. right? We have to help the, the masses understand who we are and we are respectable and respecting uh, responsibly armed citizens. So uh, please, you know, do what you can to help get the word out and bring as many people there as you can, because I do think it's a very worthy event. Absolutely. Wonderful, Cheryl. Thanks again so much. We appreciate you and wish you all the best of luck and success in all your many endeavors. Uh, just before I wrap this up again, uh, just a reminder, I, I hope folks will join us. We just launched this last week, this Shooter Ready Challenge as found at ShooterReadyChallenge.com. Uh, just, uh, we saw it as an opportunity to help hopefully inspire more people to take some time and practice and get better at developing you know, some of these shooting and defensive skills. And so head on over to shooterreadychallenge.com and you'll find that those drills uh, work really well with using the LASR or laser app uh, software because uh, it just brings a nice, you know, another element to that practice session where you can not only go through a, say, a, a draw to first shot drill, but also see the results of that shot on a computer screen. And so we have the dry fire kit available in our online store, concealedcarry.com forward slash dry fire kit. We'll make that really easy for you to participate along with us here and 
So anyway, that that'll be my last call. And again, we do hope to see folks at the 2A rally on November 2nd. Uh, be watching the Concealed Carry Facebook page, Instagram account, all of that. We'll be continued we'll continue to post uh, various updates and, and different things relating to the rally uh, as we, we are definitely on board in support of that. And Mitch, uh, again, our social media guy has been, uh, uh, been very busy in making sure that he gets uh, all the arrangements made and, and that, that we're, we're taking care of things here on the home front while also going there and providing some awesome coverage we think uh, from the rally. So we'll be doing some, I'm sure some live video from the rally as well as post our stories and just, general post as well. Um, so anyway, well, folks, we're going to let you go. A re, uh, reminder out there this weekend, by the way, I mean, be safe no matter where you are and in whatever you do and weather is changing for a lot of folks. And sometimes that means, you know, icy roads, wet conditions, stuff like that. So take care and be safe, but also don't forget to train right, train often and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast and fight true. Take care. Reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws. But things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.